I'm free now. <laughs> Thanks, Father Mike. So who's here tonight for the first time? Who's for the first time? So we got new people. Okay, well, welcome. And uh, the theme of this mission is, is really, for those of you who are new, is all centered around childlike freedom. The desire of God's heart is to restore us because we've lost that childlike freedom through sin. And so that's, this whole mission has been centered around that. I want to read a scripture tonight. This is from the Gospel of Luke. And those of you who read the Divine Office every day, you pray this every morning. And this is from the Gospel of Luke. This is the canticle of Zechariah. This is him rejoicing to God for the birth of his son, little Johnny, I call him. St. John the Baptist, the great precursor of Jesus. And uh, so Father Mike said we, we have to, and this is what I'm going to talk about tonight. The title of this talk is, Do You Hear What I Hear? We have to learn to listen. I think one of the main crises in our church today, so many people are not really listening. We're hearing, but to listen is a whole other thing. To listen is to take it into my heart and then to act on it, to live, live it out. So I just invite you to close your eyes and to listen. God's going to speak to you tonight, but especially through Scripture, He's going to speak. Just listen to what stands out to you. What is it that speaks to your heart? Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. What did you hear? Maybe it's one word, maybe it was a verse. What did you hear? Just shout it out. Peace, freedom, freedom, hmm? forgiveness. Go forth. Without fear. We're going to talk about that tonight. Free to worship you without fear. Fear. <laughs> I, always, I never understood that. See, he wants to free us to worship him freely. Quit worrying about what people think. It doesn't really matter what people think. All that matters is what he thinks. Free to worship him without fear. Our hope and our prayer since the beginning of this mission 
is that you might experience greater freedom. And hopefully last week, I called Father Francis the road grader. I haven't seen him here yet. Where are you, Francis? Oh, he's over there. He always moves around, see? He thanked me last week. Thanks, sarcastically. I gave him the harder talk. You know, it's, Advent's all about preparing the way. You know, clearing a path, road construction. We got to clear a path for the Lord to come because he wants to come and set us free. But we have to clear a path for him. And he shows us how to clear that path. So that's what Francis did. He, he started the road grading last week. I'm going to continue it. He, he cleared it. and Maybe we can lay some asphalt tonight. But we're going to keep clearing that path, naming those things that get in the way between myself and the love of my father knowing remember that video we watched the first night that interaction between that little bitty child and his father see that's the father he he loves to interact he wants to have this interaction this relationship with us you remember the joy of that little baby how free that little baby was giggling and just having a good time see that's that's the kind of freedom he wants to give to us in our relationship with him but we have so many things that get in the way, so many fears, and Father Francis helped us last week to name some of the lies, There's usually lies beneath that fear. Now there's healthy fear too, the house is on fire, you need to get the heck out. There's certain fear in life that it's healthy for us, but there's a lot of fear that we struggle with that is not from God. Fear is not of God. It's from Satan, and he uses fear Look at, by the way, just on the natural level, look at terrorism in the world. What's, what do they use? Fear. I've heard people say, well, I, don't, I really want to go to the Holy Land, but I don't want to go over there because I'm afraid. That's exactly what they want to do. That's how the devil works. He wants you to be afraid, just to lock yourself up in your homes, in your little hearts, and just stay inside he, he, so he can destroy you. And Jesus comes to set us free. To call us out of isolation, out of bondage, out of oppression. I want to read the, this last Sunday. Father Michael was, we were singing that song about joy. Of course, we have the third candle lit this week. This week, we celebrated Gaudete Sunday. That's a Latin word which means rejoice. And I like looking up words. If you look up the word rejoice, the primary sense of that word means to shout, <laughs> get excited. Would you say that where our church is today? When we worship, do you think we get excited and shout? It's, I kept looking up. It says to be excited, to be animated. Do you think our church is animated? No, we're far from it. And it's everywhere. It's not just St. Gerald. It's everywhere you go. Because when we used to travel and give missions around the United States, it's everywhere. Even when we went overseas, we went to Ireland one time. The church is dead. It's dead. And that's not, a, that's not a put down. That's just a fact. There's parts of me that are dead that still need to be raised up. That's not. But see, we have to be able to name these things before we can move forward. We have to admit the truth. You're dead. <laughs> There's parts of me that are dead. I want to read this scripture, though, from... Uh, the gospel this past Sunday. So again, just invite you to close your eyes if you would, if you like. You don't have to. But it helps us to listen, I think, sometime. So listen what God wants to say here. When John the Baptist 
heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. So those of you who are at the 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock Mass, you get to hear my homily again, so part of it. It's all right, it doesn't hurt to hear things over and over. So the period of time that Jesus is arriving on this scene, John is now slowly fading into the background. He's now been imprisoned. He's confined. Now put yourself in John's world. He's lived in his desert life since he's a child out in the wide open spaces, and now he's in this little dungeon. Think about what he's feeling. <laughs> and here he's been spending his whole life in prayer and solitude before God, getting in touch with the Holy Spirit so he can recognize the Messiah when he comes. But now he's beginning to doubt. He's beginning to have discouragement. And so he sends his disciples out to ask Jesus, are you the one? I just need to know, do you ever do that in prayer? I just need to know, Lord, is this you speaking to me? Are you the one who's touching me right now? And look what Jesus says. He doesn't say, yeah, I'll tell John I'm the one, go on. <laughs> he tells him, go and tell John what you see and what you hear. That's evangelization. What did you see and hear tonight? What did you see and hear the last two Monday nights? What did you see and hear when you come to Mass on Sundays? What did you see and hear in your own private prayer? See, that's evangelization. These people were having an encounter with the living God in the person of Jesus. God was doing something new. They've never seen it before. They finally encountered somebody who's real. Would you like to meet somebody who's real? Are you tired of the fake old crap? God's real. You know, we talk about these reality shows. <laughs> Bunch of garbage. It's far from reality. God is the most real entity that you'll ever encounter. And he comes to reveal to us the reality about ourselves. 
The people of God at that time were an oppressed people for centuries. They were the doormat of so many people. They were now the doormat of the oppressors of the Roman Empire. And they were sick and tired of it. <laughs> they wanted freedom. And they were expecting this political leader, this Republican, this Democrat, this Libertarian to come and save the day. That's kind of how they looked at it. That somebody was going to be put into office and is going to come in and just clean house. That's how they thought of it. He's going to be this worldly leader, this great king, because that's what their prophecy said, that the king will just come. That's why Jesus says, why did you go out to the, what did you go out to the desert to see? See, he can ask you that tonight. Why did you, what did you come here to see tonight? What are you looking, in other words, he's saying, what are you looking for? Who is the Messiah to you? What does he look like? Did you come out to see somebody dressed in fine clothing? Those people, he said, are found in palaces. So when they came out to see John, word was getting around. There was a buzz in the air. God wants to create a buzz, <laughs> an excitement. There was an excitement in the air. You know, historians even say that in the world at that time, there was this great expectation of somebody, someone, even non-Jews, non-believers. There was a, a sense, you could smell it. They were expecting somebody to come and save the day, to change their plight. This was the fullness of time. Scripture says that Jesus came in the fullness of time. It's like a pregnant woman. You can't come until she's in the fullness of time, right? It was now the fullness of time. It was time for the Savior to be born. And they were ready. Most of them were ready. What did you come out to see tonight? See, that's a great question to Jesus to ask you. What did you come out to see tonight? What did you come out to hear tonight? Jesus says, you know, it wasn't you who chose me. It was I who chose you. You're here tonight because he chose you to be here tonight. No, Father, that, I, I'm the one that did. No, no, no. He put that on your heart to be here. God initiates everything with us. Somebody had to put that in your heart to be here. You could have stayed home and watched the NFL tonight, some of you or your favorite sitcom. But you came here tonight. There was a buzz in the air. They were an oppressed people. And finally, they are encountering a person in the flesh. Now, we have to understand at this time, they didn't know he was God. We know it 2,016 years ago, later, but they didn't know it. All they knew was this guy has got what we're looking for. He's what we're looking for. You know, at first they thought John the Baptist was the Messiah, didn't they? They said, are you the Messiah? Now John, he could have easily given in to pride and said, yep, I'm the one. I'm going to save the day. Boy, he would have got humbled real quick. But he didn't. In his humility, he said, no, there's one who's going to come after me who I'm not fit to untie his sandal straps. That's humility. In other words, John's saying, you think I'm something? You think I'm on fire? Wait till the guy you see coming behind me. 
He's going to baptize you with the fire of the Holy Spirit. See, God wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to set our hearts on fire. Would you say our church is on fire today? But I guarantee you, go to that bowl game in Nashville, a couple weeks, and Nebraska's there. Watch those fans down there. <sighs> Got their faints just painted. They're... <sighs> And I always watch these football games, and that's great. That, I'm nothing against that. I, I love sports. But I always think, wow, just think if we got that excited when we came to church, painted our faces. <laughs> yeah. Pom-poms. I think they got that word from palms, you know? Remember when he came into, into, when he came into Jerusalem on the donkey? They were waving palms. Pom-poms. <laughs> the terrible towels. Just think if we got that excited. See, God wants to get you that excited. Do you think people, if they see a church that excited, they may, they may just want to come to church? If they see you on fire, they see you full of joy. See, joy is the byproduct of freedom. That's why he came to save us. In other words, to set us free so that we can be happy. Joy is the byproduct of freedom. It's a, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And Scripture says where the Spirit is, there is freedom. I remember a priest one time, somebody was kind of arguing with him in his mission talk and raised his hands. Well, Father, I am baptized. I don't need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. I was baptized as a baby. I have the Holy Spirit. And I thought, ooh, Father, you better, how are you going to come back on that one? Because he's right. And this priest said, but does the Holy Spirit have you? Or no, do you have the Holy Spirit? He has you. Does that make sense? Yeah, he's in me. He dwells within me. But I kind of keep him down. Because I've really let that lion loose. Whew. If I literally let him out of that cage, I might be rejected. People may think I'm crazy. That's why one of my favorite saints is St. John the Baptist. Camel skin, long hair, beard, eating locusts and honey. Kind of reminds me of Father Francis a little bit. <laughs> That's a compliment, Francis. <laughs> yeah, he was on fire. And just think, you know, you you got to put yourself, when you're meditating and reading Scripture, you got to kind of put yourself there. That's the only way you're going to get anything out. Don't just read it and go, oh, that's nice. But put yourself there. Word was getting around. Something was stirring in the air. And John was ushering in this new era of the Messiah. And word was getting around. You just imagine all these crowds from all the surrounding towns of Omaha coming in to the Missouri River, <laughs> to be baptized. People would say, wow, what are these people going on? What's going on? Do you think you might want to go down there and check it out? Yeah, they were encountering the Spirit in John. Remember, Scripture says he was baptized in the Spirit where? In the desert? Right here. Yep. In the womb. Boy, don't you know, Elizabeth was a happy mama. Baptized in the womb. In fact, when Mary and Elizabeth encountered each other, little Johnny, what did he do? 
He's, he recognized him right off. There he is, my little cousin. He, there he is. And Jesus, you know, if they could do it, they would be, you know, they were doing virtual high fives. See, that's, that's Mary's role. She's, her role is to bring us Jesus, to bring joy to the world. Do we need joy today in our world? Do you need joy in your life? I do. I want to know more of it. God's, there's always more with God. You don't ever deplete the reserves of God's grace. There's always more. And this is what he wants to give us, this joy that comes. So to know this joy and to know this freedom, who wants that? Yeah, we all do, even if you don't raise your hand. We all want it. Isn't that what this country's all about? Freedom! A lot of people have taken that word and abused it. Scripture says, freedom doesn't mean to do as I like. It's not licentiousness, doing what I will please or what my flesh wants. Freedom is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Father Michael said that earlier. It's nothing I can really attain. It's really all I can do with God's grace is just dispose myself to receive it. That's why I love that we're doing some praise and worship at the beginning, just encouraging people to do this. Because it does help you open up interiorly to do that. I wish we would pray like that all the time. You know, if you go over to the catacombs in Rome and go down into those tunnels up on the walls in there, on the frescoes. These go back to the first century. There's paintings on the walls that they painted in the first century. You know how they were praying? They were charismatics. Charismaniacs. <laughs> Not that you have to join the charismatic renewal. It just means we have to be open to the Holy Spirit. And there's the rub. There's the rub. There's somebody that doesn't want you to open up. There's somebody who doesn't want your freedom. He wants to keep you in slavery, in oppression. And his name is the devil, Lucifer, the angel of light. That's how he comes, as an angel of light. He comes, he's a deceiver. He's the father of lies. Father Francis, last week, helped us to name those lies that we've been living out of. We've been in slavery to Satan and don't even know it. Isn't that amazing? So if we're willing, desiring this freedom, we have to be willing to come with this disposition, the same disposition Mary had at the Annunciation. She didn't fully understand the message of Gabriel. She's never had relationship with a man. She's 14, 15 years old, and she's told she's pregnant. Put your brain around that one. Sure. Now, you're, you're not only pregnant, but you're going to be the mother of the Most High. <laughs> you know, you ever thought she could have said no? She could have disagreed with that truth. Remember Francis, Father Francis last week had us agree? Now, I love that because agreeing with truth is agreeing with God. Because God is true. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. She agreed with that truth. She didn't fully understand it, 
But she knew God's word. She gave her whole life as a virgin to God. So she recognized God's word. She didn't understand it. And that's what it is with us sometimes. God can reveal something to us sometimes. We may not fully understand. It may scare us a little bit. But be it done to me according to thy word. That's a dangerous prayer. Wake up every morning like that as you're stretching out. Be it done to me according to thy word. I'm all yours. I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. And once you say that, marriage, I do. You know what man woman say when they exchange vows? Do you take this man? Blah, 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 blah. Do you take this woman? I do. I do. They're married right there. Once they come into that agreement, they're one flesh. That's just not metaphorical language. That's real. You're one flesh. And that's what happens in God's relationship with us. He comes to us to save us, to dispel the darkness, to expose the lies and the oppression we've been living in, and to bring us into light, into truth. And all I have to do on my part is be it done to me. Remember what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane in his struggle. Sometimes we forget he was human. We all struggle. He struggled. None of us, Scripture says, none of you have struggled enough to sweat blood. Have you? Maybe darn close. (laughs) But none of us, Scripture says, has struggled to the extent you sweated blood. He struggled in his humanity. He's fully human, fully divine, but he was living out of that humanity because he wanted to identify with us in our humanity, with our struggle. Because who is he? He is God with us, right? Emmanuel. That was the name they were to give to that child, Emmanuel, which which means God is with me, with us. Even in the struggle, even when it seems God's not there, Even though everything in my senses, my natural senses, is screaming out that he's left me. That's a lie from the devil. Jesus said when he left this earth and returned to his father, he said, I will never leave you orphans. Now, Jesus is either a liar or he's telling the truth. It's your choice. It's like Father Francis said that last week. We're free. You're free to choose. You don't have to choose to believe anything. And that's the world we live in today. We live in a world of moral relativism. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Don't try to impose your truths on me. That's the world we live in today. It's one of the biggest problems we have in society today is moral relativism. But Jesus comes to bring us into truth. And he invites us to come after him, to give our lives to him, as Father Michael was saying earlier, to surrender our lives to him, just as Mary surrendered. And once she surrendered, once she gave that yes, that agreement to God's word, it says the power of the Most High overshadowed her. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And where does she go from there? It says she goes in haste. You know what the word haste means? That's what the Holy Spirit does. It gets you moving. Somebody told me several weeks ago after Sunday Mass, he said, Father, it's amazing what coffee will do, huh? Because he was talking about because I tend to get a little excited. 
And I said, I love coffee, but I'm telling you, that's not coffee. Coffee doesn't last that long. The Holy Spirit is the best high you'll ever get because it doesn't wear off. Even when your body's dead, you're worn out, you're dragging, the Spirit will carry us. So Jesus invites us, invites, Father Francis mentioned that last week, it's an invitation. He doesn't force himself on, he invites you, come, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. See, he wants to use you in a good way. (laughs) You matter to God's plan of salvation. You are an integral part of the salvation of the world. Did you know that? How many of you knew that? You count. You matter. That's what we do when we come to Holy Mass, the sacrifice of the Mass. As we come to give him our lives, our offerings, and we say, Lord, I want to be united with you. I give my life to you. And I give you permission to use me, to use my life however you want to do that, to save souls. God's in the saving business. And he wants to save me. He wants to first begin with each of you. He wants to save you, set you free, because he knows you're going to get really excited and you're going to want to go tell people. How many of you went from here in the last few weeks and told somebody to come to this mission? And, and why did you do that? It wasn't me, Father Francis, Father Michael. That was the Holy Spirit. That's how it works. But see, God wants to use you in the same way. He wants to send you out into the world so that people can see, wow, look at the joy in her face. Look how radiant he is. Whoa, what kind of drugs are you on? (laughs) Wow, look how excited you are about your faith. Do you think people will want to start coming back to church? You think the 76% of American Catholics may just want to come back? They may just begin to realize that, hey, you know what? Maybe there is something to that mass. Maybe it's not as boring as I think. As one man told me on the phone one day, I asked him, why did you leave the church? He said he left 30 years ago. He said, Father, it's just a bunch of empty ritual. Ooh, ouch. Sorry. That's like saying, God, you're just empty. You have nothing to offer me. That's why Jesus says from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus knows that that gentleman doesn't know what he's saying. Because if God ever removed the veil from our eyes and let us experience what's going on at Mass, you would not live. You would fall flat on your faces and die. Because you and I could not stand His holiness. He veils Himself. You ever wonder that sometimes? Like, Lord, would you just take the veil away? I want to see your face. He just gives you reflections like looking in the mirror. If you saw Him face to face, you couldn't handle it. That's why he hides behind bread. (laughs) He hides himself in the wine, which becomes his blood, right? He hides himself because he wants to lure us out of ourselves through the gift of faith. I choose to believe. See, once again, I agree with this truth. Don't understand it. Don't ask me how he does this stuff, changing bread and wine into his body and blood. I agree. In fact, when you come up to communion, you say what? 
The body of Christ, you say, amen. And the amen means, so be it. Just like Mary, so be it. I believe it. Don't understand it. So God calls us to follow him. And he's going to lead us, if we let him, he's going to lead you into greater freedom by bringing you and I into truth, by exposing the darkness of lies, the darkness that is a consequence of sinful choices. The call of God is a call to holiness. It's a call to freedom. It's a call to renounce this world, the spirit of this world. Do anybody know who the prince of this world is? Satan. How many of y'all knew that? A lot of people don't know that. Satan is the prince of this world, but only for a time. We can't live according to the spirit of this world. We have to renounce the world. The catechism tells us that our enemy, remember that scripture I read at the beginning, to set us free from the hands of our enemies. It ain't ISIS, <laughs> as much as they are an enemy. It's not Al-Qaeda. It's not Hillary or Donald, okay? It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's where he comes into play. He wants you to believe that Hillary or Donald or this person or that party or this party or that government. He, you see what he's doing in our country today? He's doing a great job. What's he doing? Divide and conquer. Divide them. Get them fighting each other. Get marriages fighting each other. Get spouses fighting and pointing fingers. Get families fighting. That's why our society is where it is. It starts with the family. Because the family is the basic cell, the basic unit of society. You change a family one by one, you change a nation. And you can go even further with that. Not just the family, where does they have to start? The marriage. And even further with that, it has to start with me. Lord, where are you calling me to conversion? What, Lord, are you calling me to let go of? You all heard of the saying, let go and let God. Right? Beautiful words. Not the easiest thing to do, but with the grace of God, we can let go. Let go of what? Let go of your anger. Let go of your pride. Prideful dispositions. Angry dispositions. It's one thing to feel anger. Not all anger is sinful. But have you ever met an angry person? Always just whining. I'm going to say another word. Always just <laughs> whining and complaining, just negative. They never, the cup's always half empty. And I see that and I go, whoo, what's that all about? Oh, there's a lot of anger right there. Negativity. Any negativity going on in your house? Negative. And it just sucks the life out of you, doesn't it? Who you think? You think that's from God? No, he came to give life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the evil one just gets in and he stirs up marriages and families and gets us fighting. So he calls us to let go. To let go of sin in our lives. To fear. To those things that keep us down, they keep us oppressed, depressed, 
miserable. That's what sin does. Makes us miserable. So Lord, where are you calling me to let go? Where are you calling me tonight? Not tomorrow, not Christmas Day, not next year as your New Year's resolution. Tonight. All we have is tonight. Did you know that? Did you know there's no tomorrow? Well, yes, there is, Father. There's tomorrow. There's next week. You don't know that. God is in the present. And that's where we get into trouble. We live in the past and just stir up the past, living in the past. And then we then worry about the future. And we spend very little time right here. Right here in the present is where he is. Where are you calling me, Lord? Where, Lord, am I resisting change in my life? Where is it I just don't want to hear it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Father Francis did listen. I don't want to hear it. That's what they did to Jesus. That's what they did to the prophets. Don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to talk about that big elephant in the living room. Let's just pretend it's not there. You know, any households like that? Nobody seems to want to talk about the issues. We do it in our church family too. Priests are guilty of that. Don't want to talk about the big elephant. Collections might go down. People may go down to Columgills, leave here. So when God calls us, we hear it. We're drawn to him. We're drawn to his voice. We're drawn to his message. We're drawn to everything about him. That's why you're here at this mission. There's something that draws you. It's not me, it's none of us, it's him. And see, that's what he wants to do inside of you. He wants to come alive in you. So when people experience you, they experience God. See, that's the mystery of the incarnation. That's what Christmas is, God becoming man. One of the great saints of the early church, I can't remember who said this, he said, God became man so that man can become God. Another way of saying that is, love became man so that man can become love, because God is love. Love desires to incarnate himself, to take flesh in me, because God is spirit, he's invisible, we don't see him. The only way we can see him is if he takes flesh. And he did that first in the person of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And Mary is the prototype of the church. What God has done in and through Mary, he wants to do through every member of the mystical body of Christ. He wants to take flesh. And he does that through our surrender, our fiat. Through that daily yes. To the little things I really don't want to do. To a life of prayer that I keep procrastinating about I keep putting it off those relationships that I keep putting off but I know I need to deal with and that's where the word becomes flesh when we come in agreement with him and we surrender like she did so it's a battle to do this and that's okay we are in a spiritual battle there's a battle for our souls between God and Satan Satan wants your soul to destroy it. God wants it to save it. 
It says in the catechism in the segment on prayer that prayer is a battle. Have you experienced that? Is prayer a battle for you? That's why a lot of people don't have a life for prayer because it is a battle. Why? Because it, it, it requires that I be still. Put everything down and sit down. Is that hard for you? It is for me. I tend to be kind of a fidgety person. But to be still. Shh. It's like a mother with a child. Shh, it's okay. Yeah, but I call them the yeah buts. Yeah, but Lord, I got, I got a thousand things. This is a big parish. I got a lot to do. I got a lot on my plate today. But that's a whole hour, Lord. I could use that hour for other things. But yeah, but shh. It's not your parish. Oh yeah, thanks. It's not your parish. It's mine. You're just a steward. So be quiet. Come here. Jump up in my lap. That's what he told me one time in prayer. I got it. I got this. Do you believe I got this? Eh. <laughs> now why do we have all these problems? Because you created them. <laughs> because you won't sit still and trust me. You got problems because you don't jump up in my lap. You try to control everything. Thinking you're God. Like Father Michael says, you ain't God. Last time I checked, I'm God. You know, Psalm 46, 11, be still and know that I am God. If you want to add a little bit more to that, and you are not. <laughs> but see, it goes back to the original lie in the garden. It goes back to the garden. The, you know, sometimes we think of Adam and Eve as these historical figures that lived way back when. And by the way, that is not a myth. Let me just put that to rest now. That happened. Okay, but the, the point of that story is there's an original fall within all of us where we bit into the apple. Where we began to doubt God. It's, it happened in everybody's life in here. You fell for that original trick. Did God really say you couldn't eat of that tree? Hmm, what's he doing? He's creating doubt. Did God really say if you jump up in his lap, he'll take care of everything? Do you really believe that? Then why is everything so messy around here? Why is there so much suffering in the world if he says he's going to be with you? Yeah, you're right. Maybe God isn't with me. I better take control of things. Yeah, that's it. God's not here for you. Look at the mess you're in. You better take control. Be a man. Be a woman. Stand up for yourself. Isn't that the big thing? Individualism? You got it. See, that's the temptation of the devil, is to have you believe you're strong. You got it. And as soon as you start believing that... Guess what God's going to do with the rug you're standing on? You got it? <laughs> he puts you in a hospital with some illness. He lets you get in some crisis because that's what it takes sometimes to get my attention. And we go, oh, Jesus, you know what you said in the gospel? You can do nothing without me. I get it now. <laughs> yeah, you can do nothing. You ain't in control. This ain't your parish. That's not your children over there. 
Those are my children. You're just stewards of your little kids. Give them to me. Leave everything and come to me. Come to me, all you who are burdened and labored. Come and learn from me, for I'm meek and humble of heart. Come to me and you will find rest. <sighs> you might just tired. You're tired of listening to me. You're tired of being tired. Anybody tired of being tired? Tired of being tired. You know why you're tired? A lot of your tiredness, it's natural, it's part of life. But a lot of our tiredness is self-imposed. It's because you believe you got to do it all. You got to be in control. You the man. You the woman. That's why you're tired. You're not letting him be the man. Remember when they crucified him? When they whipped him? And what did Caesar, what did Pilate say after they beat him to a pulp? Behold the man. I always love that scene. I mean, I don't love what they did to him. But that says a lot. Behold the man. Jesus is standing up there whipped and flesh hanging off of him. In other words, there's your man. He's your, he's your man you're looking for. Because he teaches us how to be weak. There was a Jesuit who once gave a homily to some newly ordained Jesuit men. And the title of his homily was, Are You Weak Enough to Be a Priest? <laughs> That always stuck with me. Wow, are you weak enough? In other words, are you humble enough? Are you childlike enough to be a mom and dad, a husband and wife, a priest, a single person, whatever? So there's a battle between darkness and light. St. Ignatius says there's a battle between two kingdoms within us, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And we live in this struggle. We live through this struggle between good and evil. We have places within us that are full of fear and lies. And a lot of that stuff, Father Francis helped us to name last week to kind of clear that path out. But we'll be doing that the rest of our life. As Father Francis said, there's layers. Because sometimes I'll go through stuff and think, wait a minute, Lord, we've been through this a thousand times. I thought you healed me of that. I did. It's just another layer. It's like, wow, there's a lot of layers. Yeah, you're 56 years old. It takes a lot of time to build up the garbage. If he just went in and went and took it all away, you couldn't take it. So he just, it's like an onion. He just peels back layer after layer as you let him do that. And he sets us free. Be still. Genesis or Exodus. Remember when they were in that battle? Here's this humongous world power called the Egyptian army coming against this little bitty people with little pitchforks. And they're coming on these chariots. Massive army, right? They're in this struggle, this battle. And they turn around and go, and there's the Red Sea. Red Sea, army. We're dead either way. <laughs> there's no place to go. And what does God tell Moses to tell them? Be still. Did you hear what I said? There's a sea here and a massive army there. That's not the answer I wanted. Be still. Stand firm. He says, the battle is the Lord's. This is my battle. 
All you have to do, he says, is be still, and these enemies you see today will be gone. Do you think that was an act of faith? Well, I would have ran maybe that way or that way, but be still. The battle you're in, everyone in here, you're battling something. Once you know the battle is not yours, it's his. That'll set you free. Lord, I'm tired of fighting this addiction. I'm tired of fighting with this anger, with this loneliness, with lust, with pornography. I'm tired of this battle. I can't seem to lick it. You ever do that when you go to confession? You feel like you're just confessing the same thing over and over and over? You feel that way? Yes, you do. Okay. Because I hear it all the time. Because we're trying to beat it a lot of times ourselves. The battle is his. Be still and know that I'm God. And who is our enemy that's coming after? Is it the Egyptians? Fear. Lies. Oppression. Everything that Egypt symbolized was coming after them. All the lies were coming back at them. Be still. <coughs> Bring me what's going on in your heart. Be still. Any freedom. So what we have to do when we're in the midst of the battle, the temptation is to take things into your own hands. That's called sin. Taking things in our hands and not trusting God, not being willing to just wait, to be still in prayer, to bring everything to him in prayer and to tell him, share with him what's going on. I'm going to die. I'm scared. Save me. That's what Hosanna, we say Hosanna. Mass, we sing Hosanna means save us. They would have been shouting that out when he came through the, the Jerusalem on that donkey. Palm palms, that's what they, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. That's what that means, save us. We figured it out, Lord. We can't save ourselves. <laughs> save us. Help. Sometimes that one word is a, probably the deepest prayer of your whole life. You don't have to rattle off a bunch of prayers. Sometimes my prayer is just, help. <laughs> save me. I don't know what to do. And they just sit down and watch him go to work. Shh. It's okay. Yeah, but... Do you believe I'm God? Do you believe that with God all things are possible? If we really believe that, then why do we jump into control mode? And that's okay. Once again, the truth will set you free. It's very hard to say this sometimes to God, but sometimes I'll say, Lord... In all honesty, no, I don't trust you. I don't. I mean, evidence shows I don't based upon me trying to take control. That says it right there. So why lie to him? He already knows you don't trust him, but he's okay. Just say it. Fess up. Go to confession and confess that. Lord, help me. You know, it's like the man in the Gospel of Mark. He says, Lord, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief we all have pockets of unbelief and that's okay 
See, that's where freedom will come too, is once you know it's okay. It's okay that you're not perfect. It's okay that you're still a work in progress. It's okay that you fell on your face today and you need to go to confession. It's okay. I love you. I got it. We're going to be okay. Just give me your hand. It's okay. And once you do that, those of you who've done this, you know what I'm talking about. What happens? Peace. Just take his hand, climb up in his little, climb up in his lap, just pretend you're a little bitty kid. I'm scared. I'm afraid we're not going to be able to pay the bills. I'm afraid we're not going to be able to feed these kids this week. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Just name it. You got to name it. If you don't keep a journal, keep a prayer journal. Write down what you're feeling. Three things. Feelings, thoughts, and desires. Feelings, thoughts, desires. You want to add another one? Fears. Tell him what you're feeling. Don't be ashamed. We had a little motto. Actually, I think Father Francis put this up on our refrigerator when we were in community life on our refrigerator in the house of formation for the men. It said, be real with what you feel. Always like that. Big letters on the refrigerator. Be real with what you feel. He already knows what you're feeling. There's nothing to be ashamed of. It's part of being human. So if you're angry, tell him. If you're scared, tell him. If you're lonely, tell him. Isaiah 29, 13. My people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Boy, do we fall in that category. My people honor me with their lips. We can rattle those rosary beads off, which is good. I'm not knocking that. What I'm saying is that prayer is meant to take me into what's going on in here. I can rattle off a bunch of devotions and a bunch of prayers, but never talk to him about what's going on in my heart. He wants your heart. God is a heart person. He wants your heart. And he wants you to know what's in your heart, good or bad, is nothing to be ashamed of. He's not going to reject you. Whatever you feel is okay with him. Just come clean. And that's where the freedom and the healing will begin. When you come clean. Lord, I hate him. I want to strangle him. You ever feel that way? Not that you all ever feel that. You ever feel that with your spouse? Well, you can't say that. They're with you. So anyway. <laughs> say it. Just say what you need to say. He might strike me down. That's a lie from the devil. I said that one time to him. I said, Lord, I really want to learn this stuff. I really want to be able to just put it out there. But I'm kind of scared of you. Because my memories of really expressing anger, I usually had a belt come off my dad's waist. And that's what I remember. But that's not the love of the father. He's not going to whip me. He just wants to say, come here. 
climb up in my lap and tell me what you're angry about. And sometimes I might even be angry at him. And that's okay too. That I can beat on his chest. I'm so mad at you. Why did you let my dad die? Why did you let her die? Feels good. Eat a lot. Feels good. But no, he's, nope, gotta be strong. I remember when my dad died, my mom's sitting right up in the pew, and there's plate, the church is full of people, and she's right up there, and I hadn't seen her crying in a few days. I said, I know this woman's got to be crying. They were married 65 years. So I went up to her and said, Mom, you can cry. It's okay. You know what she said? Got to be strong. Got to hold it together for the family. Sounds really good, doesn't it? How many of you say that? Got to hold it together. Be strong. There are times in our lives we do have to do that to get through. But what I was trying to encourage her with, and I told her, I said, who told you that? She just looked at me like, I just learned it. Who told you you have to be strong? In other words, I was trying to say, Mom, it's okay to show some weakness and cry. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Jesus wept over his friend Lazarus. And you know that word wept in Greek? You know what it means? It means a gut-wrenching It wasn't, oh, Lazarus died. It was a gut-wrenching weep. So if Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man can weep, I think it's okay for us to weep. It's actually a sign of strength. Especially for men. Sometimes men can have a hard time with that. Be honest with God and be honest with yourself with what you're feeling. Keep a prayer journal. Write out. Sometimes I'll just write a letter out to the God what, what I'm going through, what I'm struggling with. Just write it out. And tell him why you're feeling that. Because what you'll find as you journal this stuff out is you're going to discover some lies in that. That's what I love about keeping a journal. It helps me uncover the lies. Well, I feel this way because of this, this, and this. Blah, 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 blah. And then the Lord will just take me back through there and go, okay, let's look at this. Is that true? No. Is that true? No. Well, that's what you're believing. You ready to replace that with some truth? Yeah. Then just repeat after me, just like Father Francis did with last week. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I have to hold it all together. Just think of the pre- think about that statement for a minute. Look at the pressure you put on yourself. I, see there's the key word, I. I have to keep it together. Got to keep this family together. Now, that is, I'm not saying we don't have to go to work. And I'm not saying, I'm just talking about we need to do everything we can do, but we put it all in his hands. I have to be in control. I have to know what's going on. I got to be on top of my game. I, 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 I. Where's God in that? We, Lord, together, we, Lord, can do this. So there's a disconnect going on with most people, I find, in spiritual direction. I find that most people, good people, but there's a disconnect. They're not in touch with what's going on in here because we're so dadgum busy with our lives. 
Busy, busy, busy. Our PE coach the other day told me, do you know, Father, that there's some parents here that have three kids, or I mean three kids, they have kids in three different sports at the same time. But I saw my soul, that doesn't surprise me. That's the world we live in. It's just a rat race. Running here, running there, run, 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 run. So much of what we're doing, I think, is unnecessary. And if we really want to give our lives to him, it, it, it's, we're going to have to look at our lives very seriously and reprioritize our lives to do that. That relationship has to come first. Prayer, by the way, is not an option. It's not an option. If you're serious about following the Lord, that relationship with him has to come first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things that concern you will be given to you beside. In other words, put me first, and I'll take care of everything that concerns you. But do you believe that? Maybe you don't. That's okay. Then start right there. Sometimes people say, well, I get the prayer and I don't know where to start. I say, you just started. We're so used to saying prayers. Prayer is just a conversation. So you start right there. Lord, here I am. Don't know where to start. But here I am. You just started. Because you just told him the truth. Lord, my mind is going a hundred different directions right now. And I'm trying to focus on you, but it just seems to be everywhere. Lord, help me. Calm my mind. Quiet my mind down. Try this sometime in your prayer. Tell your mind to shut up. Tell your mind to be quiet. It's like a little unruly kid that's climbing all over the walls. Hey, be quiet. Be still. Quiet. In the name of Jesus, be quiet. I'm serious. Try that. I learned that from an evangelist. He said, just tell your mind in the name of Jesus, be quiet. So when my mind's just, and my body's trying to calm down, also I'll just sit there and go, under my breath, I'll just say, in the name of Jesus, I'm speaking directly to you, my mind, be quiet. It works. Isn't that what Jesus did at the storm of the sea? Remember all the anxiety? Waves are crashing in. Do you ever feel like waves are crashing in? You're like, ah, things are out of control. The rocks and boats rocking, right? And where's Jesus? Is he too worried about it? He's trying to teach us something. Chill. Just a little water. We got it. Do you ever feel like God's asleep? Hey! I've been crying out to you. Don't you hear me? Are you asleep? Yep. <laughs> come join me. Come, in other words, come down, sit and rest a while. Yeah, but the water's... Man, it's just a, well, come on. Yeah, but we can't pay the... Uh, we can't, I got to get little Jimmy to the... Uh, and what does Jesus do? He stands up in the boat. See, the problem is not the storm. Where's the storm at? Is it out here? It's right between your ears. This is, this is the battlefield, right between the ears. And what's Jesus do? He stands up and says what? Be quiet. Shut up. And he silences the sea, but he also silences them. I can just picture them all sitting down in the boat. 
So now they're on still water. And they're like, wow, did you see what he just did? He just said, be quiet. He has power over the sea. Do you know you have power over the sea? <gasps> Father. Do you know you have power and authority over the sea? Do you know you have the power and authority to quiet your mind? Where did you get that authority? In your baptism. Who lives inside you? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Is that authority? Is that power? He's given you power. Remember when he sent out the 72? And he says, I've given you power to tread on the enemy. The full force of the enemy. The 72. Those weren't the 12 apostles. Those were lay people. <laughs> I've given you power to tread on the full force. Not just partial force. Full force of the enemy. And who's the enemy? Sin, flesh, lies. You have that authority to stand up to this garbage. Renounce these lies, these fears, and reclaim the truth about yourself and about God. You're free to go. Not yet. <laughs> he told me that in prayer one day. It was a couple years ago. I was, I was going through a really tough time. And I just, as a pastor, I'm just like, Lord, I don't want this anymore. I'm sick of these people whining and complaining. You ever feel that way as parents? Yeah. I love y'all, though. You're not that bad. But anyway, that's why I love Moses. Moses speak, talking about someone's real, Moses is real. Go, read, go book, read the book of Exodus, Genesis. Read about Moses. Moses is real. They don't listen to me. Just take my life. Get me out of here. Just, you ever feel that way? Just get me out of here. Check me out. I want out of this. Now, that could be a temptation too. I just want out of this marriage. If I could just get out of this marriage, everything's going to be fine. Lie. If I could just leave everything, sneak off in the middle of the night, sing girls, pack my bags, I'll be free. No, you won't. You just keep running in fear. And I remember he said that one me. He said, you're free free to go. Really? I mean, I can leave this place? And I finally got it. What he meant was, no, not this place. Leave the garbage, the lies. Leave all these burdens that you've been putting on yourself for so many years, the lies, the false expectations, the false responsibilities of, I got to be strong, I got to be in control. And I finally got it. That's what he meant. Leave it all behind. And come and join us. Follow me. And that's how I see him every day at prayer. Come on. And of course, my old self will kick in. But, but look, look at you. Come on. Give me your hand. Come on. Come on. And just walk and go away with him. You know what? Everything gets done. And probably even much better than if I try to do it. You notice that when you give it to him? So be honest in your prayer. Okay? Be honest with, in your prayer with him. He loves you just as you are. See, that's where the freedom begins, is knowing I'm loved just as I am. As imperfect as I am, he loves me. And knowing that he loves me like that helps me then to change where I need to change. Okay? 
So speaking of renouncing and entering into new freedom, we're going to, this is something your parents did for most of you because you were baptized as little babies, you don't even remember it. But those of you who have children, you, maybe you don't even remember this part of the baptismal rite. We do this every Easter Sunday. We renew our baptismal promises. And that's what we're going to do tonight if you want. You're free to not do it if you want to stay where you are. You know, I've read this so many times, done so many baptisms, and it just kind of just, sometimes it's just words. But now, as he's been setting me free all the years, now when I read this stuff, it's like, wow, I get this now more than ever. So I'm going to lead you in this. Would you stand up? I'm going to ask you some questions, and your response is going to be, I do. You're going to, we're going to renew our marriage covenant with God. That's what Scott Hahn said. He said, every time we come and profess the creed, we are renewing our marriage covenant with God because we break our marriage covenant with him by sinning. That's what we do. Because when they did the creed way back in the early centuries of the church, they didn't recite it like we, it would have been done like this, questions. Because why? Because most of these people coming into the church were pagans. They were worshiping demons. Because when I read this, I'm like, well, I'm, I don't want, I'm, why am I rejecting Satan? Because when we buy into lies, we're giving ourselves to him. So reject him every day. And the other thing I want you to bring to confession my retreat director, director told me this years ago, and I do it every time. Confess the sin of self-rejection and self-condemnation. What that means is we have a tendency to be very, very hard on ourselves. Would any of y'all agree with that? Not that you have to agree, but I grew up in a perfectionistic family. I love my family, but it was a German Catholic family. <laughs> you will do this, and it will be done perfectly. <laughs> and boy, was that pressure. And that's torment. If y'all, any of y'all grew up in perfectionism, that is demonic torture because you never can live up to that. And so that's why this prayer we do every year, we need to do it every day. So when we say I do, think of what you're doing. You are the bride of Christ and you're renewing your covenant vows with him tonight, okay? Do you reject Satan? I do. Do you... I'm sorry, do you reject sin as to live in the freedom of God's children? Do you reject all his works? Do you reject all his empty promises? Do you reject the glamour of evil and refuse to be mastered by sin? And this is, you've already rejected this, but I like this one. Do you reject Satan, the father of sin and the prince of darkness? You do. Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? I do. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary, was crucified, died, and was buried, rose from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father? I do. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting? If there's any non-Catholics with us, that's a small case C, so don't let that scare you. It's the Catholic Church, meaning the universal church. This is our faith. 
This is the faith of the church. We are proud to profess it in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen, which means so be it, right? So we just thank you, Lord, for tonight. We thank you for the gift of freedom. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, the word made flesh within each of us. And we ask, Father, for the grace, for the light of truth to continue to penetrate our minds, our hearts, and dispel the darkness, dispel the lies, the fears. Lord, give us the courage, give us the light we need to name these thoughts, these feelings, to name the fears, to name the lies that we're living out of, and to embrace the truth, to embrace you, to embrace our freedom that you won for us on Calvary. And dear Blessed Mother, we entrust ourselves to your Immaculate Heart on this feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And we thank you, Mother, for all the ways that you continue to visit us and to remind us to turn back to your Son. Thank you for reminding us of the great love you have for us, the love Jesus has for each of us. We ask, Mother, that you receive us into your heart this day and that you continue to lead us to your Son, lead us into freedom, lead us into greater joy and greater peace. In this, may this Christmas truly be what it's meant to be, a celebration of new life, new freedom, new joy. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Songs God called Here is in Heaven. <laughs> <laughs>